Hey everyone, Ryan Smith here, Pastor Common Thread Church. Welcome to the Threadcast. Uh, we're running a little late this week. Um, usually try to get it earlier than this, but uh, Sarah has been gone in Florida this weekend, with, and uh, it's been me and the boys, and that's not an excuse, so we usually do fine, but I also played in a pickleball tournament, which is all sounds silly, but I did. I played in it, and I played a lot of pickleball, and my body's just been hurting, man. It's taken a while to, to get better from it. And so I just, to be honest, was not uh, was not feeling it um, to do this, this threadcast. So I apologize for that. Um, like I said, I'm going to try to get it out uh, Sunday night, uh, Monday morning, um, on the rest of the weeks. Um, but we're going to dive into this one, see how it goes. Um, and I'll another uh, kind of just uh, as we get into this, want to let you know a lot of what I get today, I've got uh, a lot of outside outside resources um, involved in this one, and so some of it's mine. Some, a lot of it is just outside stuff I brought together on this topic. I need a little help on it, so just wanted you to know that, FYI. Uh, but we're talking about fear, continuing our conversation um, about uh, entitled you know, "Inside Out" and dealing with emotions in the Psalms, and we had a good discussion this past Sunday um, in fear, and so. We're also in Psalm 55. Um, we kind of shared a little bit of this uh, on Sunday, but all of us experience fear. A few years ago, the Gallup organization asked Americans what they're most afraid of. Number one on the list was snakes at 51%. Number two was public speaking at 40%. In fact, a lot of people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of dying. Um, 37% fear heights. 34% fear being closed in small spaces. 27% Fear spiders and insects, 21% fear needles and getting shots, 20% fear mice, and 18% fear flying on airplanes. Um, I think from our discussion on Sunday, uh, a lot of those fears fit into to what we experience here at Common Thread. Um, the fears named in the Gallup polls are ones many of us identify with, but often fears can't even be named until we face them. Some fears are intense and overwhelming. Others simmer inside us. For long periods of time, some fears are irrational, others are rational, but we all struggle with fear. More than any other emotion we experience, fear is linked to our brain and our nervous system. When we walk into a potentially dangerous situation, our nervous system immediately kicks in with a fear response. This response consists of a number of involuntary reactions that occur in our body. For instance, our brain diverts blood away from our digestive system to our muscles in case we have to run or fight. Our eyes dilate, making our peripheral vision better. Our body releases adrenaline, which intensifies our awareness and gives us extra energy in case we have to run. Neurobiologists have identified two separate neurological pathways for these fear responses in our brains. The first is what they call a short pathway. It runs from the thalamus in our brain directly to the amygdala. Am- am- <laughs> I can't even pronounce it. The amygdala is an almond-shaped mass located on the temporal lobe of our brain. This short pathway is an immediate response. It's quick, but it's often wrong because it's so quick. The second neural pathway is a longer one. It goes from the thalamus to the cortex and then to the amygdala. However you say that. <laughs> this longer pathway takes a split second longer, but since it passes through the cortex, your brain can evaluate the threat to, to determine whether it's really dangerous or not. If the threat isn't really a danger, the cortex steps in and stops the fear response. 
Some neurobiologists think that people who struggle with phobias have some sort of malfunction in this longer pathway and only have the functioning short pathway. Consider a true example of how these pathways work. A woman here in Arkansas was sitting in her car after shopping when she heard a loud bang and felt a sharp pain in the back of her head. As she was holding her hands behind her head, a passerby asked if she was okay. She said, I've been shot in the head and I'm holding in my brains. She responded from the short path that bypasses the cortex. The truth was, the heat caused a biscuit canister to explode in the back seat, creating a loud explosion as it shot biscuit dough into the back of her head. Only after the cortex kicked in could she evaluate the false alarm. So what we experience as fear is a series of involuntary responses that occurs in our bodies. And so we stop and say, what are you most afraid of? And kind of a bigger question is why? Have you ever had a fear you got? Have you ever had a fear that you've gotten over? Um, how did you do that? Um, do you think most of our fears are valid or imagined? Some things to think through for a little bit. But we're going to have two talking points today um, from Psalm 55 um, to kind of talk about um, this idea of, of how, to, how we deal with these fears or just some teaching points on fears. And so teaching point number one as we begin Psalm 55 is this. When we're afraid, we dwell on possibilities and want to run, fight, or distrust others. When we're afraid, we dwell on possibilities and we want to run, fight, or distrust others. So let's start in Psalm 55, verses 1 through 5. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught. Because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked, for they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me, and the terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. So almost every Hebrew word Hebrew word for fear occurs in this first five verses of the psalm. The first form of fear mentioned is troubling, troubling thoughts because we obsess about the what ifs when we're afraid, right? Um, we, our brain just starts going nuts and we start dwelling on the possibilities of what might happen, which often produces an oppressive relentlessness, right? Um, and I think, you know, do you think that most of your fears are what ifs or do you think they're actually fears? You know, for me, a lot of mine are what ifs. But in verse 3, we see that David is afraid for his life. And the question is, was he suffering from the what ifs or um, was that actually what was going on with him? So when we're afraid, we also, we want to run. Let's, let's read verse 6 and 7. I said, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. So neurobiologists have identified a, a fight or flight reaction in our brains that prepares us to run or defend ourselves. David the psalmist wished he were a dove. You know, I'd, I think I'd want to be like an eagle or like a pterodactyl or something like that to fly away but so but you know he wanted to be a dove so he could escape his circumstances and when we're afraid we want to get away more than anything else you know can you think of a time when you wanted to flee because of your fear you know what what happened in that 
But also when we're afraid, sometimes we want to fight. In verse 15 it says, Let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead, for evil finds lodging among them. When I was in high school, I was big. Me and my best friend, we were big into uh, action movies, but really big into like uh, kung fu, karate, kickboxing movies. So the Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, all those all those movies like that. And, um, and so we would always... We always thought we were bad, and we'd practice kicking and punching and that kind of stuff. And one day, I was going to his house. And I was going to stay over at his house that night, and I was going—I was supposed to be getting there before him from from school, so I had my own key. And so I let myself into the house, and I was going to go back to his bedroom, put my stuff down, and I'm—and I didn't expect anybody else there. I'm walking down the hallway to go to his bedroom, and right at the bathroom door, he was standing there in the door, and goes "boo," and I remember. With my kung fu action grip, and I, I threw up a punch right at him, and I stopped right as I was about to hit him in the face. And, you know, my first thing is I was gonna, I was gonna beat the living tar out of this guy, right? <laughs> and so, so that that fight is the one that that kicked in uh, quickest for me there. Um, but verse fifteen, this verse is what scholars call this is an impregatory prayer. I m p r e c a t o r y, impregatory. A prayer that calls down a curse or death on one's enemies. And purgatory prayers in the Psalms are troubling because they seem hateful and unchristian, right? In verse 15, David expressed to God his urge to lash out. When a person is afraid, they become capable of doing things totally out of character. Asking God to destroy our enemies may help us to diffuse our hatred of them and love them, right? Um, and so have you ever prayed something like this? Um, did it diffuse or fuel your hatred? Um, how, and you think, oh, how does that diffuse it? You know, I think there's something about just the honesty with God can help you eventually deal with this anger, right? This this, this fear um, that you have towards these people that I think just even speaking it uh, in prayer form somehow helps um, it to, to go away a bit. Um, but then finally, when we're afraid, we become distressful. Uh, distrustful. Uh, let's let's look in verses nine through fourteen. Lord, confuse the wicked, confound their wounds, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they prowl about on its walls. Malice and abuse are within it. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave its streets. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is in, but it is you, a man like myself. My companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God, as we walked about among the worshipers. So David's fear was almost paranoia, right? He pictured the entire city plotting against him. These feelings stem from betrayal by a close companion. So when we're afraid, we grow distrustful, sometimes rightfully, but sometimes irrationally. So, for example, you know, after uh, September 11, 9/11, here in the in the states in 2001. You know, the, the attacks, the airline, uh, you know, after that, there were attacks. Airline passengers were weary or wary of all Arabic-speaking people, right? Uh, you, we saw it in the news where um, no one would want to ride with anybody that looked like they were Arabic-speaking. Um, today, you know, we, we saw when COVID started to hit here in the States and there was all the conversation about where it came from. And the names, you know, the China virus and all those things. And, you know, the, we saw a rise in Asian hate. The, the people began to put um, 
their fear towards all Asian people, right? We saw that go up in the news. And so, you know, the question is, what causes us to irrationally mistrust others? You know, what, 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 what's inside of that? And so how can we know if our mistrust is valid or not? Because there are times, right? There are times where our mistrust is right, that, that, that our, our, our radar is going off and that we understand what is happening, Um And this kind of brings us to the second teaching point. And I've been meaning to go through these verses if you're watching the thing. Sorry about this. Um, But I want to pick up. uh, The second teaching point is that we find peace when we surrender what we can't control to God. We find peace when we surrender what we can't control to God. So picking up in verse 16. As for me, I call to God and the Lord saves me. Evening. Morning and noon, I cry. In noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. So David tried to connect with by, with God by calling aloud to Him, but we often forget to ask God for help. Uh, instead, we turn to friends who validate our fears. Kind of a question in this verse is: Why do you think David cried out evening, morning, and noon? What what principle from that can we draw to help us overcome our fears? What What is that in there? Um, but here's the other truth. God doesn't always deliver us from our fears. Um, you know, for example, we can pray that he take our cancer away or deliver us from bankruptcy or protect us from harm during war, but he doesn't always do that. So how can crying out to him all day help us with our fears? This is a tough one. You know, there's not a, a magical answer here, but there is something to this idea that we have assurance that he is with us, that he understands our fear um, and is acting according to his perfect love and wisdom. We trust God, not necessarily deliverance from the circumstance. And that's that's a hard thing to separate, right? An idea that of trusting God even if deliverance from that circumstance isn't what is brought about. Because it's not natural, because we want to be taken away from those things, but sometimes it doesn't happen, right? Um, And that's when there's a peace, a trust that goes beyond that circumstances there. And if you're in the heat of the moment, hearing this message (laughs) means nothing to you, right? It doesn't take that away. This is one of those things that it's better to grasp before the moment so that as you're ready to it. But in that moment, man, it is so hard, so hard to hold on to. I'm going to keep reading in verse 19 through 23. God, who is enthroned from old, who does not change, he will hear them and humble them because they have no fear of God. My companion attacks his friends he he violates his covenant his talk is smooth as butter yet war is in his heart his words are more soothing than oil yet they are drawn swords cast your cares on the lord and he will sustain you he will never let the righteous be shaken but you god will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay the bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out half their days but as for me I trust in you. 
So David was convinced that God is on the throne despite his circumstances. Throughout the Bible, the reader is urged to fear God. And we are to approach God with reverent awe. So if we fear God, you know, if we recognize, you know, the spirit of God is not this like, I'm scared that he's going to hit me, but I fear the power of who he is and what he does. So if we fear God, we won't need to fear anyone or anything else. There was a conversation um, that was brought up in in a group that I'm in online, and it was a conversation about, you know, did... Why wasn't Adam and Eve shaken when the serpent talked to them? Why, like when they saw a snake talk to them, why did it not bother them? And there's a whole another conversation, a different level on that. But one of the thoughts that came up was this idea that, you know, if they'd been walking and talking with God in the garden before this, um, and just just to to be in the presence of God, um, just to, to the, that fear, that awe, that that. If you can walk and talk with God, there probably isn't much anything else that's going to make you be at awe <laughs> to see. You know, so seeing a talking snake is nothing comparing to talking to God, in my opinion. I think so. But anyways, um, I found this this interesting story. I didn't know if I want to share it, but I'm going to go ahead and share it anyways. It's, this guy named Timothy Peck shares this story. He says, during my first few years of marriage, I was doing laundry in a laundromat. In Montclair, I was the only person in the laundromat when suddenly a guy ran inside with a gun in one hand and a paper bag in the other. He had just robbed the bank next door and was trying to get away. As he made eye contact with me, I could see police cars out of the back door. He was panicked, and I could tell that he thought I was his ticket to freedom. He pointed that gun at me and said, Come here. Obviously, my body's fear's response was kicking in. As adrenaline flooded my body, my eyes dilated, and so forth. But at that same time, I experienced total peace that God was in control. I knew that my life was in God's hands and that if my time hadn't yet come, nothing could hurt me. So I just ignored him and went back to my laundry. He ended up taking another hostage from a different store and escaping. I didn't feel peace because I am a courageous person. It's because I feared God and was confident in him. Now, I, you know, I hesitate to share that story just because you know we all experience it in different ways. And, and I know that some of that might be a little turn off um, but um, there is there is this idea that we see you see these stories where people in crazy situations you know the martyrs in Rome during during the time after Jesus you know there's there's accounts where they went into the into the the major Colosseum and they were put before lions and the people you know that were watching the Christians there they said they just stood there and. It just explains their their faces were like angels that they had peace that some of them were singing some of them were laughing some of them were hugging you know that there wasn't fear in their eyes you know um, so there is this instance even if you haven't experienced you know verse twenty two exhorts us to cast our eyes upon God He won't let us fall now this is some interesting information I got and I want to share it with you. Says all of us have a circle of concern in our lives. Your circle of concern represents the people and situations you're concerned about today. It might be your finances, your health, your job, your marriage, your children, and so forth. All of us have certain situations that people, uh, all of us have certain situations and people we're concerned about. These things cause us to worry or fear. But inside that circle of concern is a smaller circle. Stephen Covey calls it the circle of influence. These are the things in our circle of concern that we have some control over. 
For example, if you're concerned about a test you have to take on Wednesday, it's inside your circle of influence because you can study for the test. But after Wednesday, that test will no longer be in your circle of influence. So the things we're concerned about that we have some measure of control over are in our circle of influence. But the things that are out of our control are outside are outside the circle of influence. So verse 22 also urges us to focus our energies on the situations we actually have control over. God's circle of concern is identical to his circle of influence. He has the power to intervene in any circumstances as where we don't. I thought that was really interesting, so I just want to share that with you. So as we close, I want to encourage you, quickly jot down five things that you are afraid of, five things that that you are worrying about today that, that bring fear um, into, your, into your mind. As you write those down, I want you to now look back over that list and put a check next to the ones that you can actually do something about. I want you to ask, uh, you know, this is where I want to encourage you to either post them on Faith Life or, or share them with somebody and ask them to be praying for these concerns um, that, that you can do. Also, you'd be praying for the ones that you don't have control over, right? Those are, those are ones that, that we need to pray for as well. And so, you know, it's, it's the idea of, you know, Lord, give me the courage to, con, con, to work on the things that I can and to trust you in the ones that I can't. Um, so we find peace when we walk in faith. Psalm 55 ends with, but as for me, I trust in you. Having faith in times of fear may sound like a cliche, and I get it. But it really is the only true way forward. When we believe God has the power to do anything, the character to do the right thing, and the love to care about us, we will find peace. So fear, like we've said on the others, fear is natural. It's a physiological response God hardwired into our brains to protect our frail bodies. But despite our physical reactions to scary situations, we, chat, we have a choice about how to handle our fear. We can allow our fear to paralyze us, or we can ask God for help and surrender what we cannot control to Him and decide to move forward in faith. Just because we talk about this doesn't make it easy. These, these are the, that whole you know, baby step thing that we move forward in. And and I, again, I want to encourage you that this isn't something you do alone, that you do this in community, that you do this with people you trust, people that can walk with you as well. So I hope that gives you something to think about. I hope that that um, challenges you a little bit, and I'd love to hear any thoughts that you might have in this. Hope you have a great week. Grace and peace.